Case study 0037, Almighty Thor with podcaster Frank Barrientos. When a demon god steals the hammer of invincibility, Thor strikes a mighty blow to get it back. So, Frank, how are you doing? Tressa, I gotta tell you, I'm I'm feeling fancy tonight. Oh, how so? Uh, you know, I feel like I'm surrounding myself with amazing things recently. Mm. Yeah. Like what? <laughs> Let, give me some examples there. Well, uh, my friends recently have been doing pretty well, and I like watching them succeed, so that's part of it. A lot of them are doing... DIY projects and uh, that sort of thing, remodeling, buying things, achieving life goals. And uh, that's always fun to be a part of that or to watch that happen. So that makes me feel fancy. Then also, uh, just in general, I feel pretty good. Um, The weather kind of sucks, but I feel like when I've gone outside, it's been nice. (laughs) I don't know. I I guess I've just been in a kind of a good mood lately. And, um, how did this affect you after seeing this movie? When I when I first heard of the movie and I kind of went into it initially, I was very hopeful for a few reasons. But one of the big reasons was like I'm a I used to be at least I watched wrestling as a kid in like junior high because when I moved out to Addison, all the kids were you know watching wrestling and so it was like a trendy thing. And as a result, I am familiar with Kevin Nash, who is odin in this movie so i was very hopeful (laughs) (laughs) and where did this hopefulness lead you uh it led me right into disappointment town it took a sharp (laughs) left (laughs) Um, oh so sorry yeah and like kevin nash has been in other movies that i've seen uh and i and you know honestly there's some good movies that he's been in he's been in john wick i don't know if you knew that i did not know that so in john wick he plays a character named francis like me And uh, it's funny because he's like a bouncer at the club where he's like hunting down the guy that like killed his dog and whatever, those men. And he's a bouncer at the club. He gives the bouncer the night off and he's talking to him in Russian. And then what's really cool about that scene is uh, I think in the first movie, he tells him, hey, Francis, take the night off. And that's cool. He walks away. And I think if I remember correctly, it might be the first movie, but I think it might be the second movie where he actually stabs him. And he's like, okay. Fuck off, take the night off, and then he he walks away. Kevin Nash does. Well, oh wait, he was the uh, the like the bouncer guy at yeah. our security at the Continental. Is that where it was? Not the Continental. It wasn't the Continental. There was a, it was uh, what do they call it? A bathhouse club called the, the mm. Red Room or the okay, Red Circle. Okay, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's and like the, the guy red... from Game of Thrones there. And yeah. well, I haven't seen Game of Thrones, so I wouldn't know which guy. But uh, yes, there's a lot of guys there that he kills. But uh, Francis is Kevin Nash. And he's like, okay, thanks for giving me the night off. But the cool thing about that movie is Kevin Nash is such a badass. He gets stabbed and they use that take in the movie. Like he gets stabbed for real. Like the, Oh, the shit. Yeah. So that's, Respect. that's one, one movie where Kevin Nash was great. 
I also loved watching <laughs> Kevin Nash in, I'm going to kind of allude to a pattern here because you'll understand where I'm coming from, but Kevin Nash was also in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie number two, where he plays the super shredder at the end. I am completely unfamiliar with the most recent Ninja Turtle movies. No, no, no. So. This this one came out in, in, the, in the 80s. This one was like 89 or 90. That's shocking to me. I had no idea. I mean, I'm not familiar with that one either, but... Okay, there's one where in the universe of the Turtles, at the very end of the movie, they're rapping with Vanilla Ice. (laughs) (laughs) Vanilla Ice is in the Turtles movie. And then the Shredder, who's like the Japanese uh, enemy guy, he takes some of the same mutagen ooze that transformed the Turtles. And actually, he transforms himself into this giant monster, and that's Kevin Nash plays that. And then the third movie that I remember Kevin Nash being in was actually there was a Punisher movie with Thomas Jane starring as the Punisher. And Kevin Nash in that movie was like this really huge Russian hitman that tried to kill Thomas Jane, and it was a really great fight. So I was hopeful because I like <laughs> Kevin Nash, but then I realized after just a short time of watching this movie, mm. his, uh, his other movies that I like, none. None of them are speaking roles. Oh. So hmm. I guess I didn't think to connect the dots here, but there's a reason for that. <laughs> and the re- <laughs> To be fair, he was barely in this movie. Yeah, that's true. And in fact, I didn't watch the trailer because I have this thing about trailers where I really feel that recently, you know, in the last, you know, 10, 20 years, they really do spoil a lot of the movie. Mm-hmm. So I tried if I can avoid a trailer, uh, I, I do just because, like, you know, generally they'll show there's so many trailers out there that will actually just show the climax and the end of the movie. Right. And I I remember when movies didn't do that. I remember watching the trailer for The Fifth Element. And when that trailer came out, all it was, it was like a really quick little cinematic. And it just said The Fifth Element. You had no idea what it was about. All you knew was like Bruce Willis was in it. You know, that's it. That's all you you needed. That's all you need. You just need to know who's in it. So I try to, if I can, I approach a movie like that. But so for this movie, I know Kevin Nash was in it. I didn't recognize any of the other actors, but I went into it. (laughs) And honestly, because the movie struggles with not only script, but it also. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It struggles to to keep coherence, but it also has obviously a low budget, but it kind of translates into their production value. So for a while, I was trying to figure out who Kevin Nash was in this movie. What? He's Odin. He plays Odin. But at first I was watching this movie thinking he might be Thor because Thor is supposed to be a gargantuan person. He's he's a god. And this Thor was the wieneriest wiener that ever wienered. He was the worst. You know, I will say that when you're comparing this movie, because it's hard not to compare to some of the Marvel movies. Mm hmm. And I, by no means do I want to jump into that. I mean, that's the whole point of these movies, but yeah. Right. I will say that I found out after I watched this movie that Tom Hiddleston, who plays Loki in the Marvel movies, initially auditioned for Thor. And there's footage of him wearing like a blonde wig with his six pack out trying to do Thor stuff. And I was thinking the same thing, like the guy they had, you know, as Thor in this movie was very wienery. You know, actually, Tressa, now that you bring that up, you know who he really <laughs> reminded me of the whole movie? What's that? He, re- he reminded me, the actor who played Thor, he reminded me of John Hedder, who's Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because he had that sort of vacant <laughs> look on his face, which they really played up in Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> right. I don't know. I will say that some of the dialogue in this movie was ridiculous, and I will say that that particular actor who played Thor... In his delivery, you can tell that he knew it was bad. <laughs> and so there was times where he was literally like laughing at himself, or like he and the the actor that played Loki would just laugh when they're when they're saying it. It's, it's so I 
Oh, so you're not familiar with Richard Grieco then? No, no, I'm not. Is he the guy that played Loki, I'm guessing? Yes. Okay. He took over Johnny Depp's spot in 21 Jump Street in like the early 90s. Oh, okay. When uh, Johnny Depp left. And wow, did I used to have a crush on him. But also, oh, he looked like he hated this movie. Oh, man. Yeah. You know, there's a certain... I get actors need work. Mm-hmm. Work, mm-hmm. work work, can be hard to come by. And you can definitely tell when an actor takes a role that they're not in love with just because they need to make their money. And this, this is that. Uh, mm. I could tell that it was... His skill level was beyond anything they gave him for this movie. And in some parts of the movie, he delivers his lines really well. Like, he's really trying. And then in other parts... He's like, God, what time is it? Are we done here? Yeah, it's almost like he's just speaking the lines, which mm-hmm. is not it's not acting, right? It's like a huge difference. Again, just like in the actor that plays Thor, some of the delivery is either laughing at themselves, some of it is just speaking. This movie has to be... I, I'm guessing here, because I, again, I didn't read synopsis or the trailer, but it has to be a parody. Oh, this is what we call in the field, whatever field this is, a mockbuster. Oh. This is what the Asylum does the best. This is why I started this podcast is for the mockbuster. They see a really big movie is coming out and then they make one with minimal effort and minimal money and they name it something vaguely the same and then people go to the red box and they're like, oh, that's that movie my kid wanted to see. I'll get that. And they take it home and the kid is pissed for the rest of the night. Yeah. You know, I feel like my parents did that with Ghostbusters. <laughs> What did they break home? So, yeah. So <laughs> you might like this. You might, If you're familiar, <laughs> you might know about it. But when I was like a super little boy, for some reason, my parents let me watch the original Ghostbusters when I was like a baby. And I really loved it. And yeah. even more than that, in the 80s, they had the Ghostbusters cartoon. And I was too young to understand it, but I watched it. My parents bought me the toys. It was all good. When I got just a little bit older, I'm talking like five, six years old is when I think I was at the peak of my fandom. I was still collecting the toys because the toys were still out. It was mostly reruns of the show by then because that was already the 90s. I think it was like 1990, actually, or 1991. Sure. And back then is when we had the blockbuster, right? So my mom would want to rent movies for her and my dad. They would go, and they didn't want to take my brother and I, my big brother, because like we're just going to run wild in the store. We're going to run want to rent everything. We'd want to rent a movie and a video game, right? But here's the thing. There was always this conversation my mom would have with me and my brother. She's like, each pick one thing, one movie or one game, whatever. What do you want me to bring you? So as a kid, I was like, bring me the Ghostbusters cartoon. And she'd be like, absolutely. And so she would go. And here's the thing. Ghostbusters as it is, that most people are familiar with, with like Dan Aykroyd and stuff. It's actually kind of ripped off from this other British show. Which is like two men and a gorilla fight ghosts. Yep. <laughs> so my mom would bring this wonderful magic home. The fact that they had that at the local blockbuster blows my mind. I heard about this movie that they based actual Ghostbusters off of just like a few years ago. Like it's not something everyone knows about. Oh, it's super obscure. Yeah, how how does your blockbuster have that movie? That's crazy. It's strange because they had the one low budget movie in the UK, right? It's like I think it's like two guys in a gorilla or Yeah, or a guy in a gorilla suit. Yeah, or two. a guy in a gorilla suit and they partner with a demon to hunt ghosts, I think. I don't really <laughs> remember. But here's the thing. That happened and I think there was like a loose agreement for Dan Aykroyd and his team to use some of the rights. 
And so we got the what we're used to as the Ghostbusters. And then the original show was able to ride the coattails of that for a little bit somehow. Mm. So they also had cartoons of that weird show or that weird movie. I didn't know that. So you had Ghostbusters. And by the way, there was a lawsuit. So the Dan Aykroyd Ghostbusters couldn't call themselves Ghostbusters. So they had to call themselves the, the Ghostbusters. Re- no, no. The real Ghostbusters is what that cartoon is called. I do remember that. I do remember that they made that cartoon for that other show. Right. And the whole legal thing that happened. Oh, my God. Yes. My mom would bring this shit home to me. <laughs> I was a kid who used to throw temper tantrums. Uh-huh. I would get mad. And the best out that my mom would have is that, A, she wouldn't have to look for an actual episode that I haven't seen. She could just bring this shit home. And then, B, since I was learning how to read, I I knew that it said Ghostbusters. In the show, they say Ghostbusters. So then my mom would try to lie to me and give me some bullshit like, oh, hey, look, they're just changing it. It's just the next. (laughs) It's just. It's the next thing, right? It's the new season. It's really different. They're going in a different direction. With this movie, I understand that it came out to coincide. I didn't know that the whole Mockbuster. What did you call it? Mockbuster. I didn't. I almost call it a mockumentary. I didn't know about the term Mockbuster, but I do know that it came out somewhere around the time that the original Thor came out in the MCU. Yep. But what's so surprising to me, this is something I was thinking during the movie. There are concepts that the first Thor movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe doesn't talk about, like the Ragnarok. Right. But they touch on it in this in this movie somehow. Dude. It's wild because mm. it's almost like maybe Marvel watched this movie looking for ideas. <laughs> and they're like, oh, man, they set the bar so low talking about Ragnarok and then, you know, made that third movie. <laughs> <laughs> we can't do worse, you guys. We just oh, put it in there. Absolutely. And the other thing that I found interesting is, is how Ragnarok is portrayed. The actual event is supposed to be the destruction of Asgard. The third right. MCU movie, I think, does an okay job of making an attempt. I still don't think that's perfect either. However, this movie, what I found strange is like, okay, Loki tries to go destroy the Tree of Life. All right. Perfect. Ragnarok. But then he goes to L.A. of all cities and he's waving around (laughs) and he's just like Ragnarok, (laughs) Ragnarok, as he tries to like destroy things. And so what was supposed to be the destruction of Asgard is not only what they reference. Okay, 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 okay. So not only was Loki, his master plan to start Ragnarok was just yelling randomly Ragnarok all over the place. But anytime anyone did anything in this movie, it was just them saying something. Like, they're looking for a portal. Where's the gateway? Just just feel for it. Gateway! Gateway! But, yeah, it just appeared like, out of nowhere. <laughs> but is that magic? What did you just do? You just said words. I was upset with that. Again, Ragnarok is supposed to be Asgard. Mm-hmm. They did do the correct thing and, and referred to Earth as Midgard. I did like that. However, but th- by the end of the movie, they were only attacking Los Angeles. And they even referenced like, oh, something's going on in Southern California is what they said. They wouldn't even say L.A. They're like Southern California. And it's like, that's not what Ragnarok is. Ragnarok is supposed to be Asgard. I did not know that Midgard was Earth. I did I, I did not put that together. So when they started talking about how he's Loki's going to destroy Earth, I was like, this movie is like two thirds done. Why are you guys talking about Earth now? I, what are you talking about? You've changed yeah. everything right now. It was wild. It's fantastical, Tressa. 
<laughs> there are elements that were so hilariously bad that I was predicting them as I was watching the movie. One of the things that I found hilarious is, okay, so Loki goes to destroy the Tree of Life. Right. And and he does this. Oh, God. He takes his weapon, which I think is Thor's stolen hammer of invincibility, which it's not supposed to really work that way. But anyway, yeah. he's smashing some kind of bubble at the base of the tree. I believe that's the heart. Okay, the heart. I might have missed that part. Yeah, because it was beating in previous scenes, and it was green because it's a tree, question mark. (laughs) I was saying that, like, when he was killing that heart, Mm -hmm. they were showing wild, unrelated clips to a tree Mm -hmm. of just things that symbolize life. Like a flower blooming, instead of the flower blooming, it shrivels and dies. Roses shrivel and die. It's like a weird avalanche was like coming down and going into trees and i'm thinking you know what would be really hilarious and silly how silly would it be (laughs) if when this is all done they play that footage in reverse and god damn it Tresla. (laughs) (laughs) what happened they played it in reverse as soon as thor fixed it i know i know i was like these these guys (laughs) There's an editor somewhere out there that's laughing his ass off all the way to the bank because even though it's bad, I'm sure it was still somewhat profitable. Oh, my God. There were so many shots like that where the scene where, boy, Thor went to like whatever Viking hell or whatever it is. He went there and his lady friend did. And he's like, I'm going to make my own hammer. And he starts punching some lava and it turns into a hammer whatever. Fine. And the fight that ensues is like so many repeated shots of him running at Loki, same exact shot over and over in different parts of the fight where they were right next to each other and now they're running up against each other. It was nonsense. I realized that too. And what I really liked is the actors were funny about it. You could tell. That by like the fifth or sixth take, they were getting daffy. They, <laughs> they, they couldn't keep a straight face when they were running at each other. And it's like, yeah, they looked like they hated slash loved it. No, I mean, it just looked like they were just embarrassed for the movie at that point. <laughs> but I think we need to talk about the CGI just a little bit now. It was top notch, right? So good. I mean, <laughs> there comes a point with quality of CGI where it's like, if it's not going to be up to a certain snuff, maybe it's better to not have it. And th- this is maybe the most perfect example, mm-hmm. especially during the climax where they had to show the, the most of the monsters. They had the Valkyrie, you know, Thor's lady friend, as you put her, the Valkyrie fighting the, the monster at the end. It, it was so bad. You know what was really funny, though? What's that? There were shots of like Loki pounding the hammer or the scepter down on the ground. And then weird superimposed damage that would have like just. Oh, my God. It was like someone put a sticker over the ground. Yeah. yeah. Like the stickers you put on the back of your uh, car. So it looks like a baseball is stuck through the window. Yes. I was thinking like the same technology that they use in Snapchat filters to put like like fox ears (laughs) on your head or something. That's what it looked like. There, it looked like these buildings were fine. Like there was no damage, but it was like camera shaking. Mm-hmm. But that, and then also these weird effects where it's like very clearly a superimposed <laughs> fire that wasn't wasn't burning anything. It was just like on these buildings. And let's be clear, this CGI w- was not just the fight scene. This started second number three in this movie. Oh, look at Asgard, this beautiful village that is very obviously shaky on top of this mountain because it's all CGI. His hellhounds. Oh, my God. I started to to mentally sort of compare it to like children's 
shows. <laughs> like I was watching his monsters and I'm thinking like, you know what? Even Jimmy Neutron from like <laughs> 20 years ago has a leg up. Even the backyardigans has a leg up on the CGI. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They really like, do. There is pretty good CGI even like way before this movie. And again, I know the budget was low. But yeah. technology has made some strides forward. I mean, look at how good the CGI was in Terminator 2. That still holds up today. And I know yeah. they had I know James Cameron had an amazing budget. Of course. But But that how much earlier was that to 2011 when you get this bullshit? Come on you guys, try harder. Yeah, not, I mean, not only that, but a lot of what James Cameron did and, and not only the the second Terminator, but think of the first one. That had pretty good CGI. It even had like stop motion shit in there. Mm-hmm. A lot of it was like this atmospheric drama that he was able to build up. This movie could have tried to do that, but n- no. <laughs> this movie with a better script with a couple rewrites, maybe not mention the hammer every five seconds, maybe like put some poetic verbiage in there so it's not just hammer and gateway and whatever, bone. They kept calling his staff bone and that grossed me out. Just come on. <laughs> I mean, imagine if they just actually tried. Like, yeah. Like just a little bit. Like it it wasn't the worst movie I've seen this month, but well, what was the worst? Who I think it might have been. I think the last one probably. Uh, Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. Mm, I've heard. I've heard it. Just because a lot like this movie, it was just boring. It was just scientist. This movie is just like we're gonna talk about hammers for a while, and we're gonna talk about how you need to be trained better, and then you're gonna come back with I'm already trained, and we're gonna have that conversation twenty times. Really? There was just things in this movie, Tressa, that if I was a high schooler making a movie, uh-huh. I think I would do. There was a part where Thor had a wound on his armpit area. <laughs> okay. And he's going to drink some of the healing tree of life juice. Well, first he dabs it with oh, his yeah, finger. First, yeah, first he dabs it and puts <laughs> it on the wound. And then they show him drinking it. And then they pan back over. And then it's not there. <laughs> it's not like, oh, it, it's a little bloody, but it's gone. There's no wound. It's just gone. He's clean. It's great. You know, the other thing that really caught me off guard about this movie was that I feel like in the in the beginning, they tried really hard to establish the atmosphere, the environment. OK, it's kind of outside in the woods, but it could be somewhere else. But by the end of the movie, it was all not only was it like downtown L.A., which uh-huh. is weird for. Two people that are look like they're just cosplaying. <laughs> Not only is it Poorly, weird, yeah, it just didn't feel like that took away some of the realness. Like they were just fighting downtown in the city. And also, it could have been anywhere. It didn't have to be L.A. because it didn't look like L.A. It just was in a bunch of alleys and warehouses yeah. and bullshit. You know, that's a really good point. So as long as you're not going to call it L.A., you know, you could have taken the budget that you used to actually buy the license to film in L.A., film somewhere else cheaper. And then, I mean, you're not calling it L.A. anyway. You're just calling it Earth. So it could have been anywhere. It really could have. It's 100 percent in alleys and warehouses. You don't you can do that anywhere USA. Yeah. And I, I was thinking about the monsters right now. And, you know, honestly, since I've watched this movie, mm-hmm. 
There is something familiar about the monsters, and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. Oh, no. But, what is it? But, na- but now I, I realize where I've kind of seen that style of monster from. Yeah. If you remember that 90s Power Rangers movie where they turned into ninjas and they were fighting weird space monsters at the end. Unfamiliar. Now, the monsters kind of look like those, and that's fine. But I think the problem with the CGI in this movie was that, aside from the point that it looks basic polygonal like a PlayStation 2 game, <laughs> uh <laughs> It, the, the actual monsters, when they're superimposed on a real setting, there's no shadows of real light. Like, there's no uh, light source. Yeah, that's pretty basic, and they always fail with that. Yeah, I think that's where they really could have improved, because they were just one color with no complex shadows, mm-hmm. you know, fighting in the middle of downtown L.A. Some of these shots were so strange to me. Like, they had the Valkyrie fighting the monster, and you can clearly tell... <laughs> What's that? Like minimal effort was put in. Because here's the thing. If you have a fight scene, doesn't matter what you're doing. Mm -hmm. When they were doing the fight scenes between Thor and Loki, they did a little bit better. There's multiple angles. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They're charging at one another. So you see Loki charging. Then you see Thor charging. And Mm -hmm. then you see them actually clash. Okay. When it's Valkyrie fighting these monsters... She's like waving a sword in the air. And you know those monsters are added in post, which is hilarious. Anytime anyone was sword fighting those monsters, it was the same thing. It was them swinging a sword randomly and then a shot of the monster. And then like like, like together, it was like, you're not, I can tell that that's not in the shot. You are acting poorly. Yeah. The thing about it was, it was just the same two angles. It was the uh-huh. same two shots. So you had a far shot of her swinging at it from like, I don't know, like 50 feet away. And then it was like another shot from the perspective of like her point of view, like looking up right. at the monster. Those are the only two shots. There was no variety there. Mm-hmm. They could have been so much more creative, but I think maybe they only had renders for the monster at those two different angles and that's it. You know, honestly, I feel like along with the whole city collapsing and you can hear people screaming and crying and whatever, we never see anyone suffer. We just hear them in the background. A lot of this movie was like something terrible is going to happen and you're going to know about it by the way people react to it or what you hear, but you're never going to fucking see it. Yeah. How many times did Loki attempt to hurt somebody and he just like points the bone and he just goes like this and then you just hear him off camera. Ah! And you just have to assume they're dead or they're hurt. <laughs> that last scene when, not last, but when the city was getting destroyed and they had the five extras running around behind Loki off and yeah. on in different areas. That was great. It was also great that they used the same five screams looped over and over and over again. Oh, my God. You know, honestly, I played a lot of video games growing up. So some of those screams that they use are stock. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like you, you could buy the rights to them, right? So, like, I remember playing Goldeneye. And if you shoot one of the, you know, the soldiers, one of the Soviet soldiers in that game, they make the same yells and screams. <laughs> And it's so trademark of is it lo- low budget Hollywood to use those same yells and screams. I just assume that they always every asylum movie has the Wilhelm scream in it, but I don't know if that's true in this case. I'm just assuming it is. I didn't know that they had names. I wonder what that scream oh, is. I better recognize it. You need to look up the Wilhelm scream. It's once you hear it, you'll be like, oh. oh you, want, you want to do that now? I can do that. Yeah, now do it if you want. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. That scream is everywhere. Yeah. It's in it's in like car commercials. Mm-hmm. It's in 
everything. It reminds me of <sighs> Star Wars. I feel like it was like first and foremost in Star Wars. Was it in Star Wars? Oh, yeah. Like a stormtrooper falling or something. I swear to God. Well, here's the thing, Tressa. I don't know if you knew this about me, but I didn't even watch Star Wars until I was already a man. And I was not. it was not long ago that I watched it for the first time. Wow. I can tell you why. Tell me why. My mom and my uncle do not get along as siblings. And they've had a rivalry forever. And they don't talk to each other. And my uncle loves Star Wars. And that was like one of his movies. In fact, he loves the day that he went to go see it. Naturally, because it's a boy's movie and my mom and him don't get along, my mom kind of forbid it in our household. My dad didn't care. He's Mexican. Who Like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> what? You know, well, who cares? It wouldn't be like she wouldn't allow it in the house. But she also wouldn't welcome it either. And for the longest time, I want to say in the 80s and 90s, they try to keep it off like TV. They didn't really mm-hmm. like show it with other movies. Like the most I was ever exposed to Star Wars was like Muppet Babies used to talk about it all the time yeah. when I was a super little kid. And I was like, I don't really get the references. And so by the time that I watched Star Wars as a man, I watched it right after The Force Awakens came out. So I was like already in my 30s. It was honestly just to appease some coworkers. Sure. They were just going bananas over it. Honestly, I feel like I don't hate the movies, but I do feel like they're overhyped. I don't think they live up to the hype. And I also like um, so much of that movie is spoiled in other pop culture that when I watched the first couple movies or the first trilogy, none of it was a surprise. Like, oh, I, sure. okay, honestly, like I had never seen star Wars, but I knew Darth Vader was going to be Luke's father. Cause everybody <laughs> quotes that shit. Everybody, you don't have to watch the movie. Like no. everybody talks about it. I don't know. I've, I've gotten into some Facebook debates about the newest trilogy mm-hmm. and some of the gripes that I have with that. I feel that at least with some of my friends, there's a nostalgia factor that sort of puts this weird biased. Oh, a hundred percent. I totally agree. Yeah. So just out of the sake of nostalgia, they won't see the faults of the movie. Mm-hmm. And for me, I don't have that bias. I'm not nostalgic for Star Wars. So like if there's something that I don't necessarily agree with or I don't get or I don't like, I can say it to like my friends or coworkers and they can just <laughs> rebuttal with like this weird. I don't even know how to describe it. It's the same kind of crazy fandom with game of thrones you know like i'm a nerdy guy i like lord of the rings but for some reason everybody assumes that i've seen star wars love star wars and then also game of thrones and i've also not seen game of thrones for a completely different reason (laughs) with game of thrones i understood that it was good from the start Mm -hmm. okay because it's a new thing to everybody or it was a few years ago sure so i used to watch the sopranos when i was younger because i like the mafia stuff And I remember HBO used to leave you off on a cliffhanger. They were famous for doing that shit. So what my plan was, I was going to wait for Game of Thrones to run the whole way through. Oh, shit. And then watch it without having to worry that I wouldn't. Like, that's the thing. I didn't want to be bothered with the cliffhangers. Uh huh. If, If I wanted to watch the next episode... I could just do it rather than the people that were watching it as they were being released because then they would be just be on the edge of their seat. Right. For like for like weeks or months at a time. I didn't want to do that. So basically everybody was talking about it. Everybody was spoiling it, talking about it around the office. I remember there's like my whole team at this one company that I worked for just farm animals over it. Like they were just (laughs) out of control. Again, it was Banana Land. And then (laughs) by the time that show was over, I was working for a new company. I still had like friends and coworkers that were fans. 
And I don't know what happened, but they all hated the ending. And I'm like, I'm sorry about your dragon show, <laughs> but it was so bad and it was so poorly received that I, I, Tressa, I honestly was like, you know what? I don't need to watch this. I'm good. If everybody hates it that much, and if everybody was let down that much, do I really need to bother myself with this super giant commitment of hours of my time? So many hours. There's other stuff that I could get myself into. I loved Game of Thrones. The ending wasn't amazing, but I didn't hate it. It wasn't, everyone needs to settle down. Just, it's fine. I will not celebrate a new Star Wars movie in my house because they ruined so many of my Christmases. It's my birthday. It's Christmas. And all I can see when I go to the store is fucking Star Wars. I am through. Enough. I want Santa and reindeer. No. I'm done with Tressa, you. when is appropriate to start the Christmas decorations and store stuff? And when is that? When is when is that appropriate? Uh, November 1st. I agree with you. Many people don't agree. I know. I think you're one of two people. Either you're a November 1st person or, or the day after Thanksgiving person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My husband's day after Thanksgiving. I'm, I'm November 1st. Yeah. What I'm are you going to put it. up Thanksgiving's day decorations? No, fuck off. Put up your Christmas decorations. Yeah, people are like, oh, we got to put up the tree after Thanksgiving dinner. It's like, fuck that. I just want to sleep. <laughs> I want a nap. I want a nap. And I, you know, I want to come back and jump in on some of those leftovers after. But I do not want to yeah. put up the tree. It's so ironic. I understand there is a Star Wars Christmas special that's supposed to be fucking horrendous. Yeah. So bad that they don't show it or something like that. They like hit it for years and years and years, decades. You know, when I worked in the restaurant business, because I worked in a restaurant for a little bit. Mm-hmm. My manager, Dave, would say, he would have a saying, and it would be, I know it's your baby, but if the baby is ugly, you call the baby ugly. And that's a great metaphor for, like, <laughs> try not to see things through the eyes of love. Mm-hmm. Call something out for its faults. And, if, like, in this particular case, Star Wars Christmas special, complete disaster <laughs> of uh, whatever it was supposed to be. Interestingly enough, to tie it back into the Thor movie... The Thor Ragnarok movie was directed by Taika Waititi, mm-hmm. who's a really cool, cool ass dude. Love like him. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. He actually is done so well with Thor that they want him to make the next Star Wars. And not only that, have you heard of this? Yeah. And he asked Natalie Portman to be in his new Star Wars. And she was like, bro, I was already in Star Wars. Yeah, she was that Padme chick. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like, oh, I had no idea. <laughs> I just thought it was interesting that he's going to do something real ballsy. Tressa, here's what he said he was going to do. Yeah. He was going to make a Star Wars movie, but not related to the Skywalker shit. <gasps> Everyone's going to lose their minds. It's such a it's such a ballsy thing to do. Uh-huh. And I'm kind of a fan. I'm not in love with Star Wars. I'm really kind of a fan of that because it's like new content without having to rehash this, the same oh my God. shit over and over you know how many like star wars video games there were and it was just rehashing or retelling the same shit or like the same narratives with different side stories and it just gets so old fucking old yeah yeah no it's it it needs to die now it's it's done we've i don't we've done the babies we've done the babies babies we've done new babies just like make it a uh, Star Wars Babies movie in uh, light of the Muppet Babies cartoon, and I'll watch it. <laughs> Otherwise, get the fuck out. Mm-hmm.
spicy part one. Tune in next week for the final part. And thanks for joining us this week on The Asylum Case Studies. Special thanks to podcaster Frank Barrientos and a very handsome and talented Andy Slater, our mixer and engineer extraordinaire. Make sure to visit us at AsylumPod.com where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever so you'll never miss a case study. While you're at it, if you found any bit of enjoyment in the show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Unless you're going to be a dick, then no thank you. So until next time, I'm Tressa Slater, and every fabric in the universe is against you.